Hi, I'm Laura Friedman. I'm the president of the Foundation for Middle East Peace here in Washington, DC. Today is March 18th, 2020. Today I'm happy to be joined virtually from Tel Aviv, yes? Indeed. By Hagai Matar, my friend and colleague, who is the executive director of 972 Magazine, home of independent journalism from Israel-Palestine. Uh, the Foundation for Middle East Peace is a proud supporter of 972 and its amazing work. And I am personally an avid consumer of that work and have been since virtually the moment that 972 was launched. So thank you for that. Um, Haggai, it's really a pleasure to have you with us today. These are some strange times and we'll get to that. But first off, I want to ask you to tell our listeners about 972 what it is, why it was created, what's your mission, who's your audience, all that good stuff. Of course. So first of all, thanks, Lara, for having me and for FMAP's long-time support of our work. Um, so actually, 972, the full name is 972 Advancement of Citizen Journalism, is an Israel-based nonprofit publisher. We publish both 972 magazine and in Hebrew, Local Call, which we co-published together with an organization called Just Vision. Um, and basically these two media outlets share the common notion that, and we're kind of built on, on the understanding that mainstream media outlets, both in English and in Hebrew, quite often miss some of the most important stories that are happening on the ground in Israel-Palestine. They miss the kind of analytic framework to understand the power balance or rather the power imbalance between Israel and Palestinians um, and kind of offering both a perspective that's driven by commitment to human rights and democracy and social justice, also offering facts on the ground and analysis to, to kind of understand what's going on and where we should be going. Uh, these two new sites were set up, each of them in a kind of a different context. Um, and that's what we've been doing. 972 Magazine's been running for 10 years this year, um, and local call in Hebrew for the past six years. That's, that's fantastic. I, I actually hadn't realized it was 10 years. Um, it's really, uh, as a consumer, it's hard for me to remember a time without 972. Uh, we rely on it so much for information and analysis that, like you said, isn't really available from other sources. Can you talk to us a little bit about what kind of stories 972 covers, um, how it chooses those stories, and also just technically how you do this? I mean, this is about journalism um, that is, you know, to, uh, uh, it's covering issues taking place in the West Bank, in the Gaza Strip, issues inside Israel that are highly politicized and, and complex, and bringing them to a broad audience where you have things like censorship, um, military censor of stories. H how do you do this? Well, actually, it's, it's surprising often how easy it is to do our work. And I, I say this without knocking the immense effort that goes into the work that we do, but just to give you an example, um, when the protests in Gaza started in early 2018, the, the so-called March of Return, the weekly protests of Gazans walking to the fence, um, kind of the border with Israel and protesting against the siege and demanding the right of return, Israeli media outlets were covering these 
protests solely from the perspective of the army, saying this is a security hazard, these are people coming to attack us, and we need to fight back. Even if these are nonviolent protesters, we need to sometimes shoot to kill. And hundreds were killed and thousands wounded severely um, in these protests. And just doing the work, the very basic journalistic work of if you're reporting this story of, of protests, call up the organizers, ask them, why are you demonstrating? What have you done, you know, the past few days or a few weeks or a few months? What have the protests been uh, like? Um, how do you see the, the response by the army? Just asking those very basic questions, which should be a basic kind of journalistic trade or kind of go-to action, is something that no other media outlet in Israel has done. And, and just doing that and bringing forward the interviews was able, we, we, through doing that, we were able to expose millions of readers, first directly through people coming to us, and then indirectly because other media outlets kind of realized that they were missing the story. And by our telling, we were kind of um, holding them to account for missing that aspect of the story, that major aspect of the story. Then other media outlets started reporting the story as well. So just by doing that, we can really, really make a difference. Now, sometimes we would also have a long, in-depth, months-long project of um, investigative work, and we would publish things like that. But sometimes all it takes is a phone call to do the work that we need to do. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I will say I have noticed since 972 really became a force on the scene that I think it has had a clarifying and in some ways maybe a shaming effect on other media in making them do a better job, at least trying to cover the story more, more comprehensively. Um, I've also noticed that, you know, folks, we have journalists coming up through 972 and also eventually being published on international forums, um, the broader media, you know, recognizing um, that the journalism being done there is unique and important, which I think it should be very validating for you. Yeah, very, very much so. I mean, I think quite often media outlets, um, when they have their reporters poached by other media outlets, would get annoyed. For us, it's actually quite the opposite. I mean, <laughs> yes. we see ourselves kind of this hub for voices that are silenced elsewhere that nobody would listen to. Um, you know, young, promising Palestinian writers um, and, and, and Israelis as well, people from all sorts of backgrounds that don't have a platform anywhere else. They start writing for us. And then when they get picked up by larger mainstream media outlets, we're actually glad because this is our success. Our goal is to get those voices, the platforms they deserve, and they deserve much bigger platforms than ourselves. Again, not, not knocking our own work. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really encouraging to see this process happening through the years. I'll say, I was thinking about an example of this today. I was reading the coverage of the COVID-19 crisis in Israel and Palestine, and I think 972 actually broke the story about the problematic way that information was being shared by the Israeli government to its own citizens, which included very little initially in Arabic. And that did shift. And about six hours later, I saw this covered in other press outlets. Um, yeah. started, it started with 972, and I think it, it made a difference in how that information is being shared to a part of the public, which is 20%. Um, so well done there. That's actually a, a good segue for me. I mean, when I actually first thought of having this conversation with you, the 
COVID-19 issue was not the top issue on everyone's agenda. Um, can you talk a little bit though about how 972 is operating in this current crisis in terms of both keeping the eye on the ball in terms of the overall objectives that, that normally guide its mission, but also framing that and, and, and placing that in the current crisis? Yeah, well, you know, I think very much like everyone else, this is all very new to us and we're just learning as we go. Um, what we have recognized from, I would say, fairly early stage is kind of three guiding principles for how to do our work um, beyond the mere basic precautions that everybody's taking these days of doing as much work as possible from home. Um, and one is making sure that we don't partake in the kind of alarming rhetoric um, that you see in some media outlets. We, of course, want to take this seriously, but we don't want people to panic and we want to kind of offer proportional, reliable information. Um, and that's, I think, very crucial at a time like this. The second principle is offering people hope and showing where there are things, where there are beautiful um, examples of human beings taking care of each other and showing solidarity and kind of laying the foundations for uh, a society where people actually care for each other more, take responsibility. Um, and then the third is basically keeping in line with our regular reporting and knowing what our special angle of this story would be very much like it is always, um, is paying attention to those communities who are often both the ones that are most hurt by crises, such as a massive pandemic like this, and at the same time, the, get the least attention. So Bedouin communities in unrecognized villages in the Negev, um, Palestinians in Gaza, all sorts of people, asylum seekers living here in Tel Aviv, whereas the government is offering people who are being laid off and their citizens is offering some kind of a servants package. Um, asylum seekers in Tel Aviv lose their job and have absolutely no money coming in from anywhere. So just paying attention to those stories um, is very, very crucial to, for us. And it's kind of the edge that we can offer in, in very troubling time. So all of that being said, your work continues. You make clear you're not, not slowing down, certainly during the current crisis or when this... Quite the opposite. When we get back to whatever normal or the new normal is, what is it that you want um, an American listener to know about 972? and about when they, why they should come to your website and why they should listen to your podcast. And I want to do a shout out for your podcast because they're, they're fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, 972 Magazine has about 50% of its readers coming in from the US. Um, and that's like really quite a lot of people, hundreds of thousands of readers uh, in the US who read us regularly. And I think the reason is that you don't often get a good enough understanding of the responsibility that American citizens as taxpayers have for what's happening here on the ground. And both because people don't understand exactly what it is that the occupation looks like, that Israeli military rule over Palestinians looks like um, on the one hand, and on the other hand, just how deeply involved and complicit the US is 
in kind of the entrenching of these policies and surrounding human rights violations. So basically offering this perspective, both the information of what's happening and contextualizing it within a U.S. internal discussion um, of kind of where is the U.S. responsible for human rights violations internationally and specifically in Israel-Palestine is something that's very, very important for us. And also very much like in, I was saying before about coronavirus, also offering hope and a path to what can be done differently. How can things work differently than, than they do now? So I think if you're an American citizen interested in getting that information and that context, um, then is definitely the place to go. Fantastic. And, and I would add, as a consumer, one thing that I find is very special about 972 is that you have voices. There are Israeli voices, there are Palestinian voices, there are voices from both sides of the green line. You have content um, that really doesn't exist anywhere else, and it is top quality journalism. Um, I also, you mentioned um, Local Call, which is also an organization that the foundation is very proud to support. Um, 972 also is in some ways the uh, the, the laboratory in which um, I believe Active Stills was born, no? Well, Active Stills actually grew separately, but we worked together. I mean, we were very, very close. So, so for folks who don't know, Active Stills is another really impressive Israeli organization that is doing um, photography. This is, this is journalism, but photography on the ground, often where nobody else is. Um, and and playing a critical role, and you can see that also at the website of 972. I'm going to do a quick shout out. 972 can be found at www.972mag.com. You can check them out on Facebook and on Twitter. You can subscribe and get their content in your inbox. And I would certainly say if you have time while you're at home in quarantine, this is a great moment to go back, read their current content, read their archives, and listen to their tremendous podcasts. Um, Agai, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, just stressing that all these organizations, um, the work that we do on 972 and Local Call and Active Sales, um, all these different groups are all really committed to a diverse team. So all our teams are made up of Israelis and Palestinians working alongside each other. Um, and yeah, and just again, thank you very much to the Foundation for Middle East Peace for your long-term support. Terrific. Thank you so much, Hag Hagai. And we'll talk again soon, I hope. Thank you. Bye-bye.